And we are live. What's up, guys? Welcome to Fed It. Today, we're going to be talking about the Sean Kella Robinson case, guys. We've got a lot to cover. We're going to go over fact versus fiction. Let's get into it, man. I was a special agent with Homeland Security Investigations, okay, guys? HSI. The cases that I did mostly were human smuggling and drug trafficking. No one else has these documents, by the way. Here's what Fed It covers. Dr. Lafredo confirmed lacerations due to stepping on glass. Murder investigation. See him reaching in his jacket. You don't know. And he's positioning. Been on February 13, 2019. You're facing two counts of premeditated murder. Racketeering and Rico conspiracy. Young slime life here and after referred to as YSL. The defendants is, uh, six nine. And then this is Billy Seiko right here. Now, when they first started, guys, six nine ran. I'm a fed. I'm watching this music video. You know, I'm bobbing my head like, hey, this shit lit. But at the same time, I'm pausing. Oh, wait, who this? Right? Oh, who's that in the back? Firearms and violent crimes. A.K.A. Pushaisi violated. You're ordered to stay away from the victim. Rapper Pushaisi arrested after shooting at King of Diamonds, Miami Strip Club, injured one this person. Is the, this is the one that, that's going to fuck him up because this gun is not traceable. Well, it happened at the gun range. Here's your boy 42 Doug right here on the left. Okay. Sex trafficking and sex crimes. They can effectively link him to paying an underage girl. I'm going to look my fifth Right. And well, the first bomb went off right here. Suspect down a backpack at the site of the second explosion. Inspired by Al Qaeda. Two terrorists, brothers, the Zokar Sarnev and Tamer Lin Sarnev. When the cartel shipped drugs into the country. As this guy got arrested for um, espionage, okay? Trading secrets with the Russians for monetary compensation. The largest corrupt police bust in New Orleans history. The days of the police are gone. So he was in this bad boy. We're going to go over his past, the gang ties, so that this all makes sense. All right, and we are live. What's up, guys? Welcome uh, to Fed It, man. Today is a very special episode. Uh, I've been getting a lot of requests for this one, but before I go into it, real quick announcements, guys. Number one, rumble.com slash fresh fit. As you guys know, we are on Rumble. We're not going anywhere. We're still going to stay on YouTube. However, um, for some of the after hours, well, for the after hour streams and then some of the daytime shows, anytime things get too crazy, we're going to go ahead and transition over to Rumble so you guys can go ahead and get like the full unedited content. Trust me, it's a lot better than you guys think. I know a couple guys say, hey, I hate switching over to Rumble, blah, blah, blah. But you guys got to understand we make the content that we make is not necessarily safe. I might have to start doing Fed on Rumble as well, guys, because um, there's a lot of serial killer stuff that I have to hold back on, right? Especially those murder cases where it gets violent or whatever. And uh, me reacting to documentaries, I have to be very careful about what I put on YouTube and what I don't. So I might end up doing some of the more grisly serial killer cases on Rumble. But uh, I'll, I'll figure that out and I'll give you guys an update. But don't worry, we're not leaving YouTube. Everything's still going to stay on YouTube for the most part. But when things get crazy, I'll probably have to do a transition over to Rumble. Um, also, uh, freshfit.locals.com. We're no longer our Patreon, so if you guys want to check us out over there, make sure to. And then we're on Megaphone as far as listening to podcasts. But when it comes to Fedit, I'm still on Anchor. So you guys can go ahead and check me out on Spotify, Apple, all the normal streaming platforms for podcasts. I'm there. Uh, the Anchor, the link is anchor.fm slash Fedit1811. So let me hit some of these chats real quick, and then we'll get into today's topic. Um, and thank you guys so much for the support. I'm doing this one solo today. Money counter goes five bucks. Uh, if this is live, give me a high five, sir. It is very fucking live. High five to you. Uh, yes, this is live. This is not a premiere. So, guys, just so you know, um, the way I have this channel set up is this. 
every Sunday is going to be a live stream. I'm going to cover a case that you guys request or something that's trending in the news or whatever it may be, right? Sunday is almost always live, okay? The only time a, a Sunday show is not live is if it gets taken down while I'm midstream, okay, which happens quite a bit when I do the, do the serial killer documentary reactions. Then on Thursdays, I do a documentary reaction, whether it's a serial killer or whatever it may be. Those, those are pre-recorded. I typically record those after I do the live stream, right? That's why you guys see me up late in, you know, in the evening. And then I release it on Thursday, okay? So Sunday's a live stream. Thursday is a pre-recorded video breaking down some kind of case, okay? Um, uh, whether it's a serial killer or something. It's more, more, it's more of a, doc, it's a documentary reaction on Thursdays every single time. Sometimes Sunday's a documentary reaction, but for the most part, it's a live stream where I hit contemporary events, all right? Uh, let's see here. Um, cool. And then we got here. Chris is not here. Hey, Myron, thank you so much. Two bucks. Appreciate that. We got FBI in the house. Hey, should y'all be fucking doing some work? God damn it right now. <laughs> uh, we got uh, Tiana, Angela made my first live. Love the content. Thank you so much. Yeah, this is a lot different than, than Fresh and Fit stuff. Uh, have you ever worked with CBP Marine interdiction agents? Yeah, bro. Absolutely. Uh, what do you think of them? Shout out to FNF gang. Y'all making this evil world uh, better. Much love. Yeah, guys, I work very closely with uh, CBP uh, Marine Interdiction Agents. It, it's called the Office of Aaron, Aaron Marine. Um, yeah, uh, one of the guys uh, that I worked very closely with on one of the cases I'm going to tell you guys about here in a second was a CBP AMO agent. So um, actually, one of them was killed, rest in peace, uh, about two weeks ago, I think, in Puerto Rico. Uh, okay, let's see here. Anything else that I missed? All right, cool. I think, I think, okay, can you do... Can you do a doc on the Ohio college murder? I will. Um, I got so many requests for different cases. Mr. Martin, thank you for your work. Great value. Keep it up. One of the most professional creators on YouTube. Thank you so much, man. I appreciate that. Um, and it's funny too, because I started this channel originally off of people doxing me, like say, oh, here's his real name, by the way. And he worked, used to work for the government. I tried to keep that stuff secret, but someone came out and brought it out. So I was like, okay, you know what? I'm just going to take some, you know, take the lemons and make some lemonade with it. Uh, and now you guys got a whole other YouTube channel that is completely different and fresh with content that you're not going to find anywhere else. Because I looked everywhere on YouTube, guys. I don't know anyone that's a former law enforcement uh, official for, uh, that's doing these types of um, cases and or content like i've seen maybe like one former police officer here or there but like they don't have their own youtube channel and i see a lot of attorneys but i don't see any former special agents doing this stuff so i'm i give you guys very deep insight uh into different types of cases because i've done all different types of cases i'm going to talk about my training experience here in a second because i think that's extremely relevant for today's episode uh you think you break cases of the cartels from Mexico, like El Chapo, Gracias Amigo? Yes, I will. Uh, but those are going to take a while. Just like the 9-11 situation, when I do big things like that, where I'm covering like a big drug trafficker or a very complex case, it's going to take multiple episodes. That requires a lot of studying, guys. I spend a lot of time on FedEx. I spend more time sometimes on FedEx than I do for FNF as far as like researching stuff. Uh, Haitian Jack, are you going to do an update for takeoff case? The real killer was just arrested. Yes, I actually put a poll. Um, what people wanted to see and most people wanted this they didn't want to they didn't want the takeoff uh situation um and i think let's see here i think we're caught up here all right cool so uh oh and then last one here 20 bucks uh have you ever worked with CV oh no sorry i read this one all right so okay now guys before i get into this please do me a favor like the video subscribe to the channel let's get this thing to 200k now for today's episode guys i've been getting a lot of requests to cover uh, Shanquella's Shanquella Robinson. I think I'm pronouncing that correctly. If I'm mispronouncing someone in the chat, please correct me. Shanquella Robinson's uh, tragic death in Mexico. Okay. 
And, uh, you know, last week when we were doing the Night Stalker, I was getting a bunch of requests. I got a bunch of DMs on our Feta 1811 Instagram. A lot of you guys have been asking for this one. I see it's been hitting the news. Um, and there's a lot of misinformation out there. I'll be honest with y'all. There's a lot of stuff. And we're going to go over the rumors. We're going to go over what's fact, what's fiction. Um, you know, I might make a prediction here or there, but I'm going to make sure I let you guys know that it's a prediction. Um, and uh, I'm kind of going to explain how this whole process works. Now, granted. We got an American citizen that died abroad. So we we now we're involving um, international affairs into this situation. So before I get into that, I want to give you guys a little bit of background on my training experience. So you guys know uh, that I'm qualified to talk about this shit. Because to be honest with you, I've watched a couple of videos from people. And quite frankly, a lot of people don't know what the hell they're talking about. So number one, as you guys know, I was a former special agent with Homeland Security Investigations. Here we go. I got the proof. This is my government name from back in the day. Okay, what my old name placard, right? And Here's an award that I got, okay, in 2019 for a big case that I did, which actually involved, okay, international uh, investigation, okay? I did a case, a big case out of Turks and Caicos with the Canadian Royal Mounted Police, and um, and that case ended up being very big. And it was a very similar situation to this, where we extradited a guy from Turks and Caicos to the United States, okay? So I had to deal with Office of International Affairs, etc. So I am very well aware of what it takes and what is required to do a case that's international, okay? So let me go ahead and share screen with y'all real fast too because I think it's very important that the person that's giving information is qualified to speak on such situations. So here's a case that I worked on, guys, okay? Uh, Canadian National Police Guilty to Human Smuggling Conspiracy. Okay, and this is a case that I did. Uh, it was a big case where we we investigated a human smuggling organization based out of Sri Lanka that was moving aliens through the United States into Canada. I'm not going to go into crazy details on the case, but long story short, I ended up getting the guy extradited from Turks and Caicos into the United States to face prosecution in the United States. All right. And a bunch of people dox me, right? Like uh, on uh, court documents that come back with my name. Here's the guy, right? The guy's name. You guys can go ahead and read about it on U.S. Department of Justice. Let me enlarge this real fast. This is all public information, by the way. Nothing I'm telling y'all is is classified or anything like that. I'll never talk about classified stuff on this channel, uh, right? And as you guys can see here, more receipts. There is my government name, Aaron Rufato, HSI, Special Agent, bam, right? And this was, and at the time when I got this guy, he was in Turks and Caicos, okay, guys? So I'm showing you guys this as receipts that I know what the fuck I'm talking about because I've actually done these investigations, okay? As you guys can see, there's press releases on the investigations I've done. Here's the guy's name right here, right? This hit the news all over the in the U.S. and in Canada because this guy was a Canadian national. He'd been doing this for years. And then here's the actual court documents, right, that I did it. And as you can see here, I'm especially at Homeland Security Investigations, blah, blah, blah. I go over my training and my experience. I'll break down this case for y'all, too, because this one was very um, – <laughs> this one was an extensive case. Um, but either way, you know, I, sh I wanted to put that out there for you guys to let you guys know that uh, it's very important that the person you get the information from knows what they're talking about. Um, so hold on, let me go back here. Okay, uh, let me see here. Let me make sure I didn't miss any chats before we get into it. Yeah, my, my, my government name is weird, I know. Uh, love the content, like the video chat. Yes, guys, do me a favor, like the video. Um, and then we got, please do Jesse Smollett. Maybe I'll do that one. Uh, hey, Sir Jack, are you going to do an update? For okay, cool, I think we're caught up. Cool, all right, now that we've established my training, my experience, right? I did, I was, oh, and then last thing, Here's me at the academy, right? Graduated, uh, and this is in 2014, okay? And then, right, and then this is my plaque that I got 
out of Texas, right? When I was an agent in Texas from 20, from 2014 to 2018, right? Laredo, Texas. That's where I started my career. And then I, um, and then I transitioned to the Miami field office from 2018 to 2020. And then I resigned in 2020. As you guys know, the YouTube channel started to take off. I kind of had to make a decision of what I was going to do. And I uh, ended up uh, leaving the government to, uh, you know, pursue entrepreneurship full-time, right? So, <clears throat> you know, I left on good terms, right? You know, sh shout out to the agency. I have nothing bad to say. It was a fantastic job. I think about it every day. I miss it. Um, but I show you guys all this, right? Not to like, oh, look at me. I'm so cool. It's to show you guys that I'm qualified to speak on this. I know how doing an investigation internationally works. I know what it's like working with foreign law enforcement partners. I know what it's like getting someone brought into the United States and or getting someone sent to another country that is wanted for a crime. So um, I think that's very important to be able to show you guys uh, that I had that training experience in my background. So, okay, cool. So now we're going to go ahead and play this video here because this video here, guys, um, it's, it summarizes, it, it does a really good job of summarizing the um the investigation as a whole okay um let me pull it up real fast and i'm gonna stop the video periodically to add in little parts here and there but in general this video does a pretty damn good job of summarizing all the facts and circumstances so let me go ahead and share screen with y'all boom uh well i'm off today just so just chilling finally in a live stream brother got you kevin uh terrell and then natasha bazil 20 bucks thank you so much guys i appreciate the support all right let's get into it heard a cabo with the intention to hurt her and plan her did and, and the name of the video is called FBI Reveals Where Shankella Robinson's Death Was Planned. This is a so fucking clickbait because this isn't true. And I'm going to explain the FBI's real role in this investigation for you guys. Okay. Um, I get it. it. They wanted to go ahead and get some clicks or whatever. But yeah, this is <laughs> this is so clickbaity it hurts. But uh, let's get into it. Well, and there she is, by the way. What the fuck? This is her right here, by the way, guys. And then this is her and her friends. Friends really lure her to Cabo with the intention to hurt her and plan her death. When they were when they got back from the trip with her luggage, what did they tell you happened to your daughter? That she got sick from drinking. It was alcohol. That she got sick from drinking. It was alcohol. Even though it has been weeks since Shanquella Robinson has passed away, the entire internet. Yeah, guys, she died on or about October 28th, 29th. She died a long time ago is still angry and demanding answers and just when we thought there was no way that this case could get any worse the authorities have released some new details and all right so there's her death certificate right so first what do we got here we got friends telling the family that she just had an alcohol situation well here is the um here's the actual death certificate guys all right and we're gonna go ahead let me enlarge this if i can all right and you can see in this death certificate that you got her full name, right? Uh, Shanquella Brendan Robinson, right? You have her date of birth uh, uh, in 1997. Female, USA, obviously US citizen, married. She's from North Carolina. Um, but the big thing here is she got a severe spinal cord injury and atlas luxation, which, you know, pretty much a lot of times, and it was, uh, and this, this is within uh, 15 minutes of her getting it, getting that injury, she died. Okay, and this happened in Cabo, which is this area right here in Mexico, guys. Okay, this is Baja, Baja, California, sir. Okay, so so on a grand scheme of things, this is where she was. She went all the way from North Carolina over here, came over here, and this is where it happened. So th this incident occurred at a villa in Cabo San Lucas. And for some of you guys that don't know, this is a huge vacation destination. You know, people 
you know, go there all the time. <clears throat> it's a resort city on the southern tip of Mexico's Baja California Peninsula is known for its beaches, water-based activities, and nightlife. Playa El Medano is Cabo's main beach with uh, outdoor restaurants and uh, numerous bars. Past the marina is land, Lands and Promontory, a site of Playa del Omar, Lover's Beach, and El Arco, a natural arcway in the sea cliffs. And that's from Google. So that's where um, they were, she was found, um, where she died. Okay. So let's get back into it. But as you guys can see, the autopsy heavily contradicts what the friend said about her. Oh, she just drank too much, which, you know, guys, what were we born yesterday? Stupid. But again, th these are people that, you know, aren't of the highest IQ, I guess. So, uh, yeah, let's keep going. Evidence that suggests her death was not an accident and was, in fact, planned by her own friends. But why did they hate Shanquella that much? Why of course, this is speculation. I'll show you guys a video later on that uh, talks about this potential plot to kill her, um, but it hasn't been confirmed yet. Why did they really do it? And what is the FBI saying about this tragedy? Shanquella Robinson's death has thrown the entire community into confusion in the huge funeral weeks following the incident for those who haven't been following the story we're going to give you a quick breakdown of the case before we get into the latest details shanquella went with six friends to cabo mexico for a birthday trip for one of their friends they left from north carolina and shanquella was in perfect health when she left the friends she left with were malik dyer winter donovan elise hyatt dejanae jackson her best friend Khalil Cook and Nazir Wiggins. But now, a lot of the misinformation is concerning is around this woman right here, Dejanae Jackson. Okay, guys, and we're going to get into that here in a bit. But she's pretty much who people are alleging was the person that was uh, attacking her in the video. Okay, and I'll play that video for y'all as well. Actually, matter of fact, you know what? Here, let me show you guys a clip of the video. So, this is it right here. Now, what I'm about to show you guys is disturbing, okay? So I'm going to, you know, viewer discretion is advised. Uh, this isn't her nude. This is her with clo with blurred. Okay. All right, so you can see she's attacking her. Can you at least fight back? Someone says, can you at least fight back? Throws her on the floor, hits her some more. At least fight back, something. Viciously beating her. Again. Can you at least fight back? At least something. At least fight back. Something. Crazy. Crazy, crazy, crazy. And they're there, you know, egging her on like, yo, fight back, fight back, which is wild. And the other thing, too, interesting point for y'all is that the mother, okay, um, confirmed that uh Shanquella sleeps naked so this may have been an early morning attack right when she you know got out of bed so we don't know exactly but um but that's what the mother said as well that it was potential that this happened uh when she was woken out of her sleep and the guy that's filming it like ridiculous her best friend Khalil Cook and Nazir Wiggins. But Nazir has come forward to claim that he arrived in Cabo a day after the rest of the group and that he wasn't there when the events occurred that led to her death. According to Shanquella's mother, Khalil called her the day after they landed in Cabo to tell her that Shanquella had drunk too much and had alcohol poisoning. So what? 
<laughs> Stupid. She had alcohol poisoning. Now, so obviously the family's like alcohol poisoning. That's why she passed away. And then when that autopsy came out, it switched everything around. She wasn't feeling too well. He later called back to tell her that medical staff were in their room and were trying to resuscitate Shanquella. And when she passed away, he then told her that the resuscitation attempts had not been successful. Khalil and the rest of the group decided to cut their holiday trip short and return home to North Carolina. That's also very suspicious. Cutting the trip short, right? Uh, and so that tells me also, right, me putting on my tinfoil hat here for a second, right? Like, if the plan was to go there solely to, you know, commit a murder, why would they cut their trip short, you know? Or why would they, why would they do it so sloppily, you know? Because when the medical examiners came, when they called the paramedics the first time to check on her, they said she had drank too much and the police report was taken and they had said that. But it wasn't until the autopsy came out that the Mexican authorities basically come back, came oh, reopened the investigation and treated it as a homicide or in their case, a femicide. And the most bizarre thing is that they left Shanquela's body in Mexico, but... Okay, that's not that weird because obviously... Uh, a crime had taken place and they need to, you know, do the autopsy. They need to notify the family or whatever. So it's not like the the friends are going to have the authority or the ability to bring the body back. So they had no choice but to leave the body in Mexico. So that, you know, I guess and this, this is what I mean when I say a lot of people on YouTube aren't necessarily experienced enough to report some of this information. So, uh, yeah, I mean, but that's very common. If you die in a foreign country, even if you're a family or loved one, you're not going to necessarily get the body back. The, the, that government is going to do what they got to do, conduct their own independent investigation, whether it's a homicide, autopsy, whatever it may be. And then they'll contact the, the family and then they'll orchestrate getting the, the body back to the family, not necessarily to friends. They took her luggage with them and Khalil dropped it off at her parents' house. In a recent interview, her mother revealed that Khalil had continued to lie to her when he dropped off her luggage, still claiming that she died from alcohol poisoning. When they were, when they got, man, still, still won't tell the truth. Stop the cap. Got back from the trip with her luggage. What did they tell you happened to your daughter? That she got sick from drinking. It was alcohol. That she got sick from drinking. It was alcohol. Now, Khalil used to hang out with her family a lot. So the family knew and trusted him. Even when he got back from Cabo, he would come around the family a lot. But all this changed when the autopsy result came out. Uh, yep. At that point, now they know the truth. Last time you heard from him. I haven't heard from him since the autopsy came back. Now oh, that, that's a red flag right there. He probably knew something and didn't want. <laughs> he probably knows something and is just trying to stay out of it at this point. That's, about, that's been about two weeks ago or three weeks ago when the autopsy first came back, and I haven't heard from him since. Before we get to the autopsy and how it exposed Khalil and the rest of the friend group, we need to talk about a police report that claimed that her friends had told medical staff that she had drunk lots of alcohol and that she was found dehydrated. This report from the day she died says guests at the resort called for medical help, claiming she had drunk a lot of alcohol. A doctor. Again, this goes to show you guys uh, how stupid these friends are, you know, because at this point, she probably had some serious injuries and they thought, oh, let's just lie about it and uh, we'll be fine. Like, they're not going to know this is Mexico. Like, they don't have the capability to do a, a thorough investigation. 
oh man, they messed up. Stupid. Because the Mexican authorities have taken this extremely seriously for a multitude of reasons. Number one, it's an American citizen dying on foreign soil. So there's obviously going to be some pressure there. Number two, um, black Twitter, the you know, African American community, uh, the family, everyone has been pressing for answers. Okay. They're not, they didn't want to let it go. And shout out to them for that, right? Uh third, there was uh obviously indications of foul play and which contradicts the original story. Okay. You guys wonder, like I, I talked about this in the YNW Melly case. The reason why they're going after YNW Melly so hard is because the story, right, that him and YNW, uh, YNW uh, Portland gave the police grossly contradicts the evidence found at the scene. Oh, we got hit by a drive-by. And then they see bullet holes on the side of the vehicle, whereas when they actually did the bullet trajectory analysis, they found out that there was no way that they got hit in a drive-by because the bullets didn't line up with the wound patterns in the, on the individuals. That is why the death sentence is being put back on Melly because they're saying, yo, this was a premeditated murder. Same situation here. They're saying that she died of alcohol poisoning and she got too drunk, but the reality is she was attacked and the spinal injuries are indicative of that. So whenever someone lies to the police like that, gross lie, right? And there was actually some uh, foul play and someone was killed on it. To them, that does what? Makes it premeditated, essentially. A lot of the times they look at it like that's premeditated murder because you've taken steps to cover up the fact that a crime occurred, all right? Now, can they prove it's premeditated a lot of times? No, but they're going to treat it like it's premeditated, which is what's important, all right? What you know and what you can prove are two different things, which is true. However, they're going to treat it like it's premeditated because the lie was so gross, okay? And it and it, it contradicts 1,000% what they found in the autopsy. So. Mexico has a very strong incentive to go after these people for public relations, um, a U.S. citizen dying. And on top of that, guys, this occurred in a tourist hotspot. OK, they can't afford to have tourists dying on their soil. Right. In a, uh, in a tourist location. It's one thing if you get killed in Nuevo Laredo. Right. In Juarez. Right. These these war torn narco controlled cities. But when you're in a place like Cancun, Tulum. Cabo, bro, people, they don't want people dying there because that is the, that entire area is propped up through the tourist industry. It's bad for money. Okay. And I'll take it a step further with y'all as well. Now, me uh, going back in time right here, right? Go uh, I'll take you guys down memory lane. It's extremely bad business for cartels to hurt and kidnap and or kill American citizens. Uh, in Mexico, especially in tourist destinations, because what that does is it brings Mexico a bunch of U.S. attention. And guess what happens when they get U.S. attention? The ports start to become tighter. It becomes harder to smuggle in drugs. The police get stricter. It becomes way more difficult to get business done. The entire smuggling business is is held um, almost up in the air. So they want business to you know operate as usual. So anytime someone does something stupid, where they're kidnapping American tourists or whatever it may be like that, it affects the flow of illicit commerce for the cartels, okay? So sometimes what they'll do is if someone does something and it wasn't like sanctioned by somebody higher up, they'll kidnap that dude, beat his ass, and then throw him over the border to the Mexican authorities to get him. Sorry, to the U.S. authorities to get him, right? I've seen this happen before, even myself when I, when I was an agent in Laredo. So they're going to do everything in their power a lot of the times to make sure that American, like innocent Americans typically, 
aren't hurt in Mexico. Now, does it still occur? Of course. But, you know, for people to say, oh, yo, there's nothing that uh, that it's extremely dangerous. It is. But the people that typically get kidnapped and brought to Mexico and tortured and beat up or whatever, nine out of 10 times are criminals. Okay, they're criminals. They owed money. They lost drugs. They snitched, etc. If they are American citizens, they're ripping drugs. You know, there's a lot of there's a whole part. uh, When I was in Texas, there's a whole crew of guys. We call them rip crews. And what they do is when drugs are smuggled into the United States, they they're there waiting and they fucking attack the smuggler, steal the drugs and, you know, go track traffic them themselves. Right. Because at that point, they've done the hard work where they've smuggled it across them. The price of the drugs doubles, and now they're able to go ahead and distribute it and make a lot of money. However, when you do that shit, what ends up happening is on the Mike side or Mexican side, they're going to find out who these rip crews are, and they're going to go ahead and pay people to go ahead uh, to Sicarios, whatever it may be, to kidnap these motherfuckers, bring them back to Mexico, and that's when they kidnap and beat the shit out of them. So when Mexican citizens, excuse me, when American citizens and are kidnapped or attacked or tortured in Mexico, nine out of ten times it has something to do with the illicit trade, okay? But when it comes to, like, tourist locations, Cabo, Cancun, etc., they don't want anything bad happening there because it messes with business, okay, guys? So that's typically how it goes when it comes to violence uh, on the Mexican side. Not saying it doesn't occur, guys, but it's not as common as people think where an American citizen is going to get kidnapped in Mexico just because. Like, typically, there's a reason. ...said she was, quote, stable but dehydrated, adding that the guests refused to bring her to a hospital. The police report. Oh yeah, and they also when when they do capture one of these rip crew guys, all right, or an uh, uh or, or an op or something like that, they're gonna make sure to record that beating and that murder on camera and distribute it to allow people to let people know don't mess with us. Okay, the, the Losetas, for example, are notorious for doing this, being extremely violent, beheading people, killing them, torturing them on camera, uh, hanging the body off of bridges with like a note on it, like, hey, if you fu- cross us, this is what's gonna happen to you, etc. Report said she went into cardiac arrest and was declared dead at 6 p.m. According to this, her friends had refused to take medical advice to take her to the hospital. And this should have raised red flags with the medics that were attending to that situation. But from what we know now, her friends probably lied to the medics about the alcohol poisoning and the medics didn't probe further. In fact, before her autopsy results came out, the Mexican authorities treated it as an accidental death and didn't investigate further. But then the autopsy contradicted everything about the police report, down to her time of death. According to the police report, she passed away around 6 p.m., but her autopsy refutes this because it lists her time of death as 3 p.m. Now, it's normal to have some time lapse. So that's a big discrepancy right there. And the manner of death, too. In determining the time of death. But a three-hour difference is just too much. And it suggests that the police report might not be completely correct. Also, the autopsy listed her cause of death as severe spinal cord injury and atlantoaxial subluxation, which is a condition where unstable or excessive movement is present in the first two vertebrae of the neck. And it suggested that Shanquella had been the victim of physical attack. Interestingly, the autopsy made no mention of alcohol in her system, and people have pointed out that if she indeed taken enough alcohol to get alcohol poisoning, then it should have shown up on the autopsy. This further proved that her friends were lying and were trying to cover up. This was confirmed when a video... And that right there is going to always get the authorities, you know, thinking like, okay, 
what's going on here? This is more than likely premeditated murder because they're taking active steps to lie and cover up what the hell actually happened to include lying to police officers and uh, professional uh, you know, personnel that showed up on scene to try to resuscitate her and give medical aid. So that's a big issue. Leaked online that shows Shanquella getting hit by one of her friends, Dejanae Jackson. In the video, they And that's who they're identifying as the person that was beating her, as Dejanae Jackson, which is where some of the misinformation is coming from as well, which we'll get into in a second. Dejanae was hitting her repeatedly, even though Shanquella wasn't fighting back. To make things worse, the other people in the group were sitting back, watching without attempting to intervene or even asking Dejanae to stop. Which is crazy. That is wild. So that tells me that something was going on prior to this where they're just going to sit back and watch it. Maybe there was an altercation. Maybe they said, let's fight. Or maybe they just knew that she was going to go ahead and attack her uh, randomly. But the fact that none of the friends stepped in is wild to me. And there were men there as well. And the dude that's holding the camera saying, yo, fight back, blah, blah, blah. Like, what the hell? L friend right there. Leo could also be heard saying, Quella, can you at least fight back? So from what we know, the autopsy result shows that she could have easily gotten injured in the fight, especially since it was reported that Winter Donovan also hit Shanquella and even slammed her into a wall. Oh, man. Well, as a result of public outcry and indignation, as well as Shanquella's parents' determination to get answers and justice for her, Shout out to her parents, uh, you know, working so hard to get the truth, man. Um, her mom and her dad have been doing a bunch of interviews trying to figure out what's going on. And that's the importance sometimes, guys, of having good parents. When you don't have, like, a strong family unit, a lot of times these cases fall by the wayside. You guys want to know something very interesting? Since I've been doing a lot of research on these serial killer cases, a big reason why these serial killers are able to get away with killing these women, right, especially back in the 70s, 80s, and 90s, is because... A lot of them didn't have a family unit that went ahead and actually looked for them and figured out, hey, what's going on here? And, you know, they just went missing and no one cared. But when you have a family behind you, man, they're going to demand answers. They're going to push. And that puts an enormous amount of pressure on the authorities to do something, which is a good thing. Shout out to parents. Mexican authorities reopened the investigation into her death and the FBI also got involved in the investigation. The Mexican police overturned the previous ruling of non-suspicious death and have now ruled it as a femicide. For those who don't know what femicide is, it is simply the of a woman based on her gender. The killing, the international killing of a woman uh, based on her gender. And then also I want to say this too, because as you guys can see in this headline right here, arrest warrant issued an investigation death of uh, Sh uh, Shanquella Robinson in Mexico. We're going to talk about that arrest warrant here in a little bit. Uh, but basically people were alleging, oh, Dejanae Jackson, they are issuing an arrest warrant for her, which is, uh, that hasn't really been verified, but we'll keep going. To overturn the previous ruling of non-suspicious death and have now ruled it as a femicide. We just know that there's an arrest warrant, but we don't know for who. For those who don't know what femicide is, it is simply the of a woman based on her gender. The Mexican authorities believe that Shanquella was in part because of her gender. And this is why they ruled it as a femicide. And, and I know some of you guys are saying like, yo, what's a femicide? This is weird. You guys got to remember that other countries have different laws and statutes and things are written differently. Um, so that's why in Mexico, they have a statute that refers to it as femicide.
If convicted, a person could face up to 60 years in prison. This ruling is one reason that it is believed that Shankola's death was planned, and most probably before they even left North Carolina at all. People pointed out the fact that her friends watching her get beaten up without saying anything is a clear indicator that this could have been a gang up between them. Things got even more suspicious when another video from the trip leaked online. And it shows that the group was clearly planning something without Shanquella's knowledge or involvement. Hi, what? They, what the old said, they creep. <laughs> this sent off. All right, I have this video, by the way, guys. We'll go ahead and play it right now. All right, and this is from Instagram account, uh, The Neighborhood Talk. They, what the old they crew. Yeah. <laughs> the, the one that's like mediocre is my champions. I can't do them. <laughs> Y'all, it don't take that long to get naked. It don't take that long to get naked, hoes. Where y'all at? She told me I'm gonna keep it hot. You gonna keep it hot? What? I don't They what the old said they crew. The one that's like mediocre is in my champions. I can't do that. Y'all, it don't take that long to get naked. So. It don't take that long to get naked, hoes. Where y'all at? All right. So you guys can hear it. It sounds to me like they're prepping for the fight almost. Like, hey, it doesn't take you guys that long to get naked. Right? And, you know, that might be, you know, because they said, oh, we're going to fight. And, you know, they had some predetermined time that they were going to fight each other. So that is strange. Um, she walked through the hotel looking for them as they plotted in a different room on her. It was a setup. Right? So I'll play it one more time for y'all. Y'all, it don't take that long to get naked. It don't take that long to get naked, hoes. Where y'all at? She told me I'm going to keep it hot. You going to keep it hot? What? I don't know. I got benefits, but I don't want to work in this group. What the old said, they crew. Yeah. <laughs> The one that's like mediocre is my champions. I can't do that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. It don't take that long so to get very, very strange. Very, very strange, as you guys can see. Um, you know, obviously, we don't have the full context, right, of what the hell they were talking about. But, hey, it doesn't take that long to get naked. That's a little strange, right? Because we know that Shanquella uh, was naked when she was attacked. So. And, you know, that could be for a multitude of reasons. Hey, we're going to fight naked, so I know that you can't grab my clothes or anything like that. You know, that, that might be a reason. But we can only speculate. We don't know the truth. And uh, let me go ahead and hit some of these chats real fast. Okay, we got... Uh, thank you guys so much for the support. I really appreciate it. And we'll keep going here um, with the video. And then we're also going to go into the, the rumors. Uh, another major reason why I don't dabble in the dark. Stay in the light, fellas. Frankie Baltimore, this fucking guy. <laughs> Uh, you guys you guys got no chill this shit is hilarious though uh uh pinochet's helicopter tours free helicopter rides for all ninja watchers there you go 
Like the goddamn video. Stop being ninja watchers. We got uh, almost 2,000 y'all in here, by the way, guys. You guys could be anywhere else in the world, but you're here with me. So like the video, please. Subscribe to the channel if you haven't already. Um, you're not going to get breakdowns like this from someone that used to work in uh, federal law enforcement anywhere else. A wise man once said, women watch murder mysteries just to relax. Do you predict more women will gravitate towards this channel soon since they like this type of content? Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I think a, a lot of people like uh, crime narratives and stuff like that. Um, you guys really love the serial killer stuff. Uh, can you do ex-football player Steve McNair murder? Um, I can. Damn, Steve McNair. That was way back in the day. Mine is a motivation in motion. That's why Real Man Watch, big up to you, bruh, bruh. Thank you so much, man. I appreciate that, my friend. I just try to give you all diversified content, man. Uh, and then I think, cool, I'm caught up. All right, let's get back to uh, the video, guys. Thank you so much for the support. Don't forget to like the video, goddammit. A lot of red flags for a lot of people because the group was clearly trying to make sure that Shanquella couldn't find them and they didn't want her to hear what they had been talking about. Also, well, that girl did yell. It doesn't take that long to get naked, hoes. So you never know. People pointed out that it was shady that they left Mexico so soon after her death. It is believed that the trip could have been an excuse to hurt her in another country, then hurry back to the United States to avoid facing justice in another country. The fact that they left so quickly and left her body in Mexico after only a few hours fueled public opinion that the friends know more than they are saying. People have called out the entire friend group for allegedly planning the entire thing, saying things like, so all of these people involved in Shanquilla Robinson's murder need to be arrested and put away for life. If that doesn't happen, not going to be good. It was a planned attack. People have lost all of their morals. And the more I think about the Shanquilla Robinson assault, the angrier I get. They planned this entire thing. They intentionally planned the trip to Mexico to kill her. They intentionally caught her at her most vulnerable. And they intentionally recorded it to embarrass her. Premeditated. Now, we can't say that for sure. Um, right, guys? We don't know if they went there with the intention to kill her. And then, you know, they actually enacted upon it. Or they got there. Everything was good. Then they got into an argument, decided, oh, I want to fight this chick. And then they fought her. And, and, and then they concealed it after the fact because they didn't think that they were going to kill her. They, she beat her up so bad she didn't even realize. We don't know exactly what happened. We really don't. Right. Obviously, we can speculate. You can put on our tinfoil hat to say it was a grand conspiracy. They brought her there just to kill her. But, um, you know, that seems like a, a little bit of a far fetched way. Uh, to commit a murder, there's ways to do it much cleaner than taking her to a to an international resort in Mexico to commit a crime, uh, uh, especially a crime that egregious. But, you know, I get it. Like, obviously, there's a lot of outrage here and it is it, it's worthy of the outrage. Like, this is ridiculous. Like she got beat up in front of a bunch of her friends. And instead of them raising a hand to help her, they recorded it and said, fight back, fight back like some schoolyard children. Like, this is wild. You know. Let's get back to the video. And now, in recent development, the authorities have seemingly confirmed that her death was premeditated. In fact, Mexican authorities have confirmed that they have issued an arrest warrant for one of her friends who they believe was the main aggressor. They released a statement saying... All right, so this is kind of where the misinformation comes from, and we'll go back to this video. But right here, okay, this article from this website, blackenterprise.com, Okay, as I drink my uh, watermelon monster, by the way, guys. <laughs> my favorite flavor. Are we canceled yet? 
All right, we're still on. All right, cool. Uh, you never know nowadays making those kinds of jokes. Dejanay Jackson arrested for the beating death of Shanquella Robinson awaits extradition to Mexico. All right, so the person who is allegedly responsible for the beating death of an Ameri- uh, American in Mexico has been apprehended and is awaiting extradition back to the country the crime occurred in. What? What? Okay. What the fuck? So when I heard this news, I was like, okay, let me read a little bit more. And let me enlarge it for y'all real fast. Get this ad out the way. Okay. All right, and it goes here. According to Metropoli, law enforcement officials have arrested Dejanay Jackson, a friend of the murder victim, Shanquella Robinson, who died after being seen uh, in a viral video beating, being beaten by someone who she was with on a birthday excursion. The suspect was arrested by Interpol agents on November 28th. A Mexican judge had issued an arrest warrant for Robinson, charging her with the crime of femicide. Now, hold up one second. As soon as I saw here, Interpol agents, I was like, uh, yeah, what the? Stop the cap. Uh, like, there's no such thing as Interpol agents. Stop the cap. Okay. Now, here's what Interpol really is, guys. Okay. Um, and I have Interpol, guys. All right. It's an international criminal police organization is the world's largest international police organization with 194 member countries founded in 1923. Its mission is to facilitate the exchange of police information and promote cooperation and assistance between law enforcement authorities of its member countries. Okay, so what does this mean in plain English? Interpol doesn't have its own law enforcement officers. It has law enforcement officers from other jurisdictions, countries agencies that sit under one house working together to facilitate the exchange of information and to conduct law enforcement activities together. How do I know this? Well, a couple of reasons. One, number one, I just read it for y'all. And then number two, I've actually worked with Interpol, goddammit. Okay, that's why in the beginning of the podcast, I wanted to make sure I showed you guys that I did a case that involved international parties. I did a case with the Royal Canadian Mounted Police, the CBSA, Turks and Caicos Police. I had... um. Uh, the Swedes involved, that case was an all-encompassing case uh, all over the world because I had targets all over the place. So I know what Interpol actually does from my training experience and also from knowing um, uh, what's obviously what, what I just read for y'all, right? The, right? I gave you guys the boiled down, easier version to digest. But Interpol does not have its own law enforcement people. All Interpol does, guys, is it's just a it, think of it as it's a house where you got different agencies, right? Law enforcement agencies, not intelligence agencies, law enforcement agencies working together to facilitate law enforcement stuff. So I'll give you an example. I had a guy, right, that I was looking at that was committing some uh, money laundering activities in, in uh, I think it was Sweden or Norway, right? And he was associated with uh, one of my other targets. So I reached out to my attache, right, or my international counterpart in that country. He Right. Knew someone over at Interpol and he reached out to him to get some other information from the the host country. And I got a police report from that country. Thanks to Interpol facilitating that. What it does is it connects different agencies together so they can exchange information and or work together to arrest people. So if someone has like a red notice or whatever it may be, which is like think of it as like kind of like a provincial arrest warrant to pick somebody up in another country. Interpol helps facilitate all that. Okay, it's simply just a medium to connect agencies, but it does not have its own law enforcement officials. Okay, like that, that are Interpol agents. All right. So cool. So that's number one. Let's keep reading through. 
The incident took place in October while the group of friends was staying in a luxury villa at Cabo Villas Complex located in San Jose del Cabo. Based on report by CBS News, Robinson, a 25-year-old woman from North Carolina, had embarked on a birthday trip with several friends and died after being beaten, an act that was captured on a mobile phone. Um, oh, God, get out of here. Ads out of the wooza. Uh, initially, Robinson's family was told by her traveling companions that she had passed away from alcohol poisoning. When the autopsy came back, they said it didn't have anything to do with the alcohol. Salamandra Robinson, Robinson's mother, told Queen City News. They said that she had a broken neck and her spine in the back was cracked. She had been beaten. And I'll tell you guys this. Um, oh, sorry. Let me put the article back up for y'all. My bad. Um, let me tell you all this. For you to go ahead and uh, get this type of injury, you were not just beaten. You were severely beaten, potentially even with uh, with an object, okay? Um, the actual beating was seen in a video that went viral during the filming of the video. No one w intervened as Robbins was being assaulted. A male voice is heard saying to her, can you at least fight back? Let's give that guy a big... for not helping out. After the video clip was posted to social media, questions emerged about why none of Robinson's friends tried to stop their altercation. Yeah, disgusting. So, so like I said before, this right here threw me off when they said the suspect was arrested by Interpol ages on November 20, 28th. Now, let me tell you guys, because no one, for some odd reason, no one covered that, any, any of this stuff. Whenever you want to go ahead, right? Now we know what Interpol is, right? Interpol is just an intermediary to facilitate the exchange of law information between different agencies, right? That's what Interpol is. Now let's talk about an MLAT, okay? And yo, like the goddamn video right now. Because no one, I, I've looked at everything. No one talked at all about MLATs, which tells me, once again, this is the power, this is the importance of talking to someone that actually knows what the hell they're talking about when it comes to um, doing criminal investigations at a high level with, with international players involved. You can't do anything without an MLAT, okay, guys? And an MLAT, is an agreement between two or more countries for the purpose of gathering and exchanging information in an effort to enforce public or criminal laws. The mutual legal assistance request is commonly used to formally interrogate, uh, interrogate a suspect in a criminal case when the suspect resides in a foreign country. Now, okay, when it comes to MLATs, guys, and doing investigations that, you know, cover different countries and borders and everything else like that, the MLAT is heavily contingent upon the country that you're working with. One more time. The MLAT, the efficiency of the MLAT, the speed at that at which it works at, the ease at which it works at, is heavily contingent upon the country that you're working with. I'll give you guys an example. When I was doing my case in Turks and Caicos, right, working with the Canadians and the Turks and Caicos Royal, Royal Police, it was very simple because we were working the investigation together. We were sharing information. I was giving them reports. They were giving me reports. We we're working together as partners. So the, the movement of information was very simple, very easy. Okay. They were read in. Everything was good. Right. Obviously, I didn't share any classified information with them because that's a whole other game. Uh, anything that was classified, my other co-case agent dealt with that. I didn't touch any of the classified stuff. And that, there's a reason for that, which I can go into in another episode if you guys want about handling classified information, why it's actually a waste of time and you shouldn't bother doing it. But in general, I worked very closely with them. So this whole MLAT process was extremely simple because I had already I had a working relationship with them and Turks and Caicos and Canada are friendly countries. And then on top of that, we had agreed at the beginning of the case that the United States was going to be the main prosecution venue because in Canada, it's very difficult to to um, to build a strong prosecution case. They need a lot of evidence. And, you know, Canada tends to be a little bit liberal and uh, Turks and Caicos 
uh, their case was going to be difficult to prove because they they didn't have necessarily all the resources required to, to prosecute this case to the fullest extent of the law. You know what I mean? It's a small police force. It's a small island. So the United States, right, we took lead in the investigation and they were fantastic law enforcement partners helping me do everything. That's a perfect situation. However, <laughs> let's say you're working with a country like fucking China. OK, and I'll, again, once again, I don't want to toot my own horn, but I had done an organized crime case on, on Chinese triads. OK, where we had a guy that was um, moving a lot of money between the United States and China moving. Uh, he had a, an entire smuggling organization based on moving Chinese um, migrants slash aliens into the United States through the Bahamas, etc. And when I needed information from China and I reached out to my counterpart out there in China because we do have an office there. Actually, one of my good friends is going there very soon. Um, they couldn't give me shit. They're basically like, uh, nope. Uh, no, nah, we, we're, we're not going to give you anything on this fucking guy. And our hands are tied. You can't do much, right? You can ask the Chinese police, right? Uh, for information or whatever, but they're not really friendly about sharing information, guys. All right. So um, uh, Russia, very similar. It's difficult to get Russian police reports or get any type of Russian, uh, you know, information uh, because, quite frankly, guys, they're adversaries. <laughs> and in today's day and age, I get we, we might not even be in the Russia anymore uh, uh, after this whole Ukraine situation. OK, but the point I'm trying to make is, is that when you're doing MLATs and you're working with certain countries, some countries are much easier to work with than others. All right. Now, let's talk about Mexico. Mexico is fairly easy to work with depending on the situation. All right. Um, when we want, you know, large scale narco traffickers, you know, Mexico tries to fight a little bit, right? Like it was a pain in the ass to get Ch Ch Pablo S uh, um, El Chapo to us. It wasn't until he broke out multiple times that the Mexican authorities finally decided, all right, we'll give this guy to the United States because we can't control this shit no more. But in general, I would say Mexico is a fairly friendly country when it comes to uh, complying with MLAT requests. Again, Mutual legal assistance treaties, okay? But MLATs are heavily contingent upon the country for which you're trying to get some type of assistance in. All right. Now, now that we've established that an MLAT needs to be in the process, and I also want to let you guys know that this is a multi-varied legal situation that's going on anytime you start to deal with international fugitives, international criminal investigations, whatever. There's three, there's two, well, there's two main agencies that are working in unison along with the investigating agency. Now, the investigating agency is the agency that is doing the case. So in this case, it's the FBI. The FBI went ahead and opened up a case, a criminal investigation into this situation. Why? The reason why they opened it, guys, is because they need to be able to document all investigative efforts done on this investigation based on what? Based on the Mexicans' request. Okay? So since an arrest warrant was issued through Mexico, now... The FBI has to open up a parallel investigation on their side. They're going to work with the Mexican authorities to facilitate getting whoever's responsible, whoever the arrest warrant is for, to Mexico. All right. That's why the FBI opened up their case. They didn't open their case to do their own ind independent investigation. All right. Because to be candid with you guys, they don't really have jurisdiction to investigate a crime that occurred outside of the United States. Now, are there situations that we do? Yes. But when it comes to like a murder like this, it's a toss up. It's a toss up. I think the more from from what I'm reading, what I'm seeing, more than likely, the Mexican authorities are the lead agency in this investigation, and the FBI is simply assisting. Okay, because the crime occurred in Mexico, 
clearly the Mexican authorities are very serious about this. They were the fact that they were able to get an arrest warrant back so quickly. They've been following up on leads, etc., which is contrary typically to how Mexican authorities do their, their do their uh, investigations. I'll tell you this: working with because I work with Mexican police as well. They don't, don't typically move that fast. So the fact that they've been able to secure arrest warrants and do all this stuff fairly quickly is very surprising to me. But I'm not. Well, it's it's not the norm. But I'm not surprised because, again, like I said before, these uh, circumstances, special circumstances, American citizen, enormous pressure on social media to conduct an investigation. The fact that the friends lied, the fact that the autopsy heavily contradicts what they told them. All these factors are aggravating circumstances to make the United to make the Mexico say, OK, we're stepping up. We're taking lead on this investigation. We got an arrest warrant for her. Bam. Now the FBI knows it's serious. They have to have to open up an investigation here in the United States. So uh, so that they can assist Mexico in going ahead and getting this woman over to them okay so so you got the investigating agency right so in this case it's the fbi the fbi is under the department of justice then you got the state department which a lot of people didn't talk about this as well the state department guys is the face of the united states abroad okay so um uh so the Office of Legal Advisor or Law Enforcement Intelligence is responsible for providing legal advice to the Department of International Law Enforcement Matters and managing the department's responsibilities in cases of international extradition. All right. And then this Web page gives you information. But basically, this paragraph right here is what you guys need to know. Oh, my bad. Let me enlarge this for y'all. Sorry, guys. All right. The Secretary of State is the U.S. official responsible for determining whether to, sur uh, to surrender a fugitive to a requesting state. Pursuant to 18 U.S.C. 3186 and 3188, the Secretary or his des uh, designee makes this, this determination after a U.S. magistrate or district judge transmitted uh, to the department a certification of extradition, finding that the fugitive's extradition would be lawful under the pertinent extradition treaty and applicable U.S. law. Okay. In determining whether a fugitive should be extradited, the secretary may consider issues properly raised before the extradition court or a habeas corpus court, as well as any humanitarian or other considerations for or against surrender, including whether surrender may violate the United States' obligations under the Convention Against Torture. Uh, the secretary will uh, also will consider any written materials submitted by the fugitive, his or her counsel, or other interested parties. So I like how they put this little part here. All right, let me translate this for y'all. Um, uh, so the secretary may consider issues properly raised before the extradition court or a habeas court, as well as any humanitarian or other consideration for or against surrender, including whether surrender may violate the United States obligations under the Convention Against Torture. <laughs> Translation, if uh, we're not giving away any of our spies to you guys, <laughs> because if they give away a spy, they already know that that person is going to get tortured. So they're not giving they're not giving spies away unless it's like some kind of high profile exchange. But in general, it's not accepted. All right. But yes, the U.S. Department of State is a critical component to um, getting someone extradited. You need to work with them. So now. Right. So we talked about what an MLAT is. Right. Mutual, uh, mutual legal. Sorry. Mutual legal assistance treaty. Right. Now we talked about the extradition process involving the U.S. Department of State. Now we got to talk about the Office of International Affairs. Anytime uh, someone has to face some type of criminal investigation, right, the United States Attorney's Office, a.k.a. the federal prosecutors, all right, they're going to be involved in this situation. And they have something called OIA, okay? And I dealt with these guys quite a bit when I was doing my Turks and Caicos case, all right, working with the Canadians. 
The Office of International Affairs, OIA, returns fugitives to face justice, transfers sentenced persons to serve their sentences in their home countries, and obtains essential evidence for criminal investigations and prosecutions worldwide by working with domestic partners and foreign counterparts to facilitate the cooperation necessary to enforce the law, advance public safety, and achieve justice. Okay? So here, which I think is important, uh, extradition and removal of fugitives. OI plays a central role in apprehending and returning fugitives to justice so they may be held accountable for their crimes. Using all legal tools at its disposal, um, extradition, deportation, and other lawful measures, OIA works with domestic and foreign partners to extradite or lawfully remove criminals sought for prosecution in the United States or abroad for a variety of offenses, including violent crime. Okay? So, um, and this is all the different things that they do, right? And then here we go, international relations and treaty matters. On matters affecting DOJ's international law enforcement mission, OIA attorneys negotiate and provide expert counsel regarding treaties and other agreements. OIA attorneys also represent DOJ and a multitude of multilateral fora, fora where they formulate law enforcement strategies to promote the U.S. government's law enforcement interests. Okay, now we're going to go ahead and look at the statute, right? Because we talked about the statute with the U.S. Department of State, okay? You, um, with surrendering a fugitive to a requesting state pursuant to 18 U.S.C. 3186 and 3188. For today's purposes with the Shanquilla Robinson case, we're going to talk about 3184. All right. Um, and that is whenever there is a treaty or convention for extradition between the United States, let me enlarge this for y'all real fast. Between the United States and any foreign government or in cases uh, arising under 3181B, any justice or judge of the United States or any magistrate judge authorized so to do by a court of the United States or any judge of a court of record of general jurisdiction of any state may apply a complaint made under oath charging any person found within this his jurisdiction with having committed within the jurisdiction of any such foreign government any of the crimes provided for by such treaty or convention. See, of course, now it's very long-winded like that, guys, because they got to cover every single scenario, right? Or provided under Section 31B, uh, <clears throat> issue is warrant for the apprehension of the person so charged that he may be brought before such justice judge or magistrate judge to the end that the evidence of criminality may be heard and considered. Okay, what the hell was that in English? Basically, if there's a treaty in place, all this basically means if there's a treaty in place, depending on a multitude of different factors, okay, the United States can remove someone to a foreign country, right, or extradite them to that foreign country to face justice for a crime they committed abroad, all right? They just they just need to make sure that they get certain things in place. All right. You need the treaty in place, a judge being involved, etc. Such complaint may be filed before, and such a warrant may be issued by a judge or magistrate judge of the United States District Court for the District of Columbia if the whereabouts within the United States of the person charged are not known, or if there is a reason to believe the person will shortly enter the United States. If on such hearing he deems the evidence sufficient to sustain charge under the provision of the proper treaty or convention or under section 31B, he shall certify the same together with a copy of all the testimony taken before him to the Secretary of State, which we discussed earlier, that a warrant may issue upon the requisition of the proper authorities of such foreign government for the surrender of such person according to the stipulations of the treaty or convention, and he shall issue his warrant for the com commitment of the person so charged to the proper jail there to remain until such surrender shall be made. Okay, so what the hell does this all mean in English? I will translate that for y'all here in a second. But let me go ahead and make sure I didn't miss anyone as far as chats. Yo, guys, like the video because I just broke down for y'all how this process actually works. Um, and now that you guys understand, I'm going to go ahead and distill it for you guys and summarize it. Summarize it. Uh, Houston has landed. Thank you for explaining fit. Thank you so much, man. I appreciate it. That's what I'm here for, man. Help y'all out because there's a lot of confusion with this. Just started watching your channel. Thank you for all the entertainment. Got you, my friend.
um, edutainment. There's two thousand y'all in here, in here, by the way, almost. So guys, like the video. Even if she fought back, she wasn't gonna beat the transformer. <laughs> you guys are fucking clowns, man. And then we got here. Zeus goes, "Am I blocked on the FNF channel? Not to my knowledge. I don't block anybody." Um, Sephiroth seven hundred two. Love the videos. If you want an insane story, do an episode of the Chicago Ripper Crew. Uh, maybe I've never gotten a request for that one. Okay, I think we're caught up here. And then last one, can you break down the DC Sniper's case? Yes, I'm already working on that one. I've already done started doing research on, on that investigation for y'all. So, so okay, let's recap real quick because I just spoke a bunch of um, you know jargon to y'all that you guys might not know what the hell is going on. So let me just summarize this all. So anytime you're doing an investigation that incorporates international counterparts or you have someone that's wanted, right? Whether it's them going to the United States or vice versa, you need to involve something called an MLAT, Mutual Legal Assistance Treaty, right? An MLAT's got to be filed first, right? From that country to the United States or the other way around. If we need something from another country, we file an MLAT, right? And that basically asks them to do some type of law enforcement function for the other country. In this case, it's to get someone arrested and brought back to Mexico to face charges of femicide, aka homicide in the United States, right? Now, in order for that to happen, a couple things have to happen. Number one, that MLAT's got to be filed. Number two, the United States Attorney's Office has got to be involved, a.k.a. federal prosecutors, not to be confused with the ADA or assistant district attorney. It's an AUSA. And the AUSA's office what falls under the Department of Justice. And with the, within the Department of Justice, there's something called OIA, a.k.a. the Office of International Affairs. They are the ones responsible for facilitating all of this communication with the foreign government to make this happen. And then on top of that, you got the investigating agency, which in this case is the FBI, right? And then you also have the State Department, which is the bridge under which all of this will be facilitated because the State Department is the face of the United States internationally. And so State Department facilitates it. Office of International Affairs gets the documents ready to facilitate it. And then the investigating agency prepares the documents for the OIA to go ahead and facilitate it. Does that make sense, guys? One more time. Do a lot at y'all there. State Department is the bridge from which the Mexican government and the U.S. government can talk to each other. That's the bridge, State Department, okay? The Office of International Affairs actually files the paperwork on behalf of the U.S. government. Their attorneys from the uh, Department of Justice, right, AUSAs, they're the ones that actually file the formal paperwork for the uh, to the U.S., uh, to the Mexican government, and they're communicating with the Mexican government. And then the investigating agency, who's the FBI in this case, is the one gathering the facts, working with the actual Mexican law enforcement, gathering the facts together, and then giving it to OIA to go ahead and make everything work nice and dandy. And that, my friends, is how investigations are done on an international level working together. You got State Department, OIA, which is under the Department of Justice, and then you got the investigating agency. In this case, it's the FBI, but you can switch them out, put DEA there, put Homeland Security there, put Secret Service there. It doesn't matter which investigating agency it is, but you're going to need OIA and you're going to need the State Department to facilitate the, um, the paperwork and the documents to make everything official by way of an MLAT. Okay, guys? Like the video, because y'all ain't going to get sauce like that anywhere else. Um, and this is coming from a guy that has actually done this. And uh, also, we'll go over real quick uh, what a provisional arrest is, okay? So 
a provisional arrest, guys, is appropriate when the country making the demand for extradition believes that there is a risk the fugitive will flee. Requests for provisional arrest must be handled quickly for the United States to fulfill its treaty obligations. After receiving a request for provisional arrest, the Office of Internal International Affairs, now that we know who they are, contacts the prosecutor in the district where the fugitive is located. OIA provides information about the name, identity, and whereabouts of the fugitive, the crime uh, with which he or she has been charged, the foreign warrant issued uh, for the fugitive's arrest, and the demand for provisional arrest. Okay, so also I want to say that there's been rumors, right, from other outlets that Dejanay Jackson was the person that the arrest warrant was uh, issued for and that she was arrested in Connecticut. Now, this is my opinion based on my training, my experience. This is not necessarily, I can't say that this is 1,000% fact, but if she was arrested in Connecticut, I find it strange that there is absolutely no media coverage on it whatsoever. Typically, when a case is this high profile, right, and um, people are putting pressure on the FBI to investigate because we know her parents are mad. They're not happy. They're saying, hey, the FBI is not doing anything about this. Um, here, I think is this the article right here. Yeah. Mom of slain tourist Shaquilla. I'll show you guys real fast. Uh, Shaquilla Robinson blasts FBI for lack of progress, right? And this was December 2nd. This was recently, right? So anytime the Bureau has an enormous amount of pressure on them to make an arrest or have something happen, they're one of the best media-trained agencies in the world, okay? There's a reason why they're a household name. There's no way that someone like like uh, that might be involved in an international murder that has this much news coverage would get arrested and it wouldn't get leaked somehow by some investigative reporter or something. So I find it odd that if she was arrested, no one knows about it or, or they're reporting that she was, but it's being kept under wraps somehow. Right now, I know some people are saying, oh, well, you know, you got to understand what Mexican law. It's uh, illegal for people to talk about an arrest. Um uh, after when when during an inv active investigation, they don't have the same laws as the United States. You know, like in the U.S., you might arrest someone and they do a big ass press conference. In Mexico, they can't do that because of the cartel problem, and they they don't want witnesses getting killed. Blah 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 blah. I understand that, but at the end of the day, she's getting arrested on U.S. soil, and there's an enormous amount of pressure on the FBI to make an arrest and to get something done here. So I find it strange that someone like this, such a high profile case, would get arrested. And there's no formal media coverage on it anywhere. I haven't seen anything official out of Connecticut, the United States Department of Justice, nothing. All right. So was she really arrested in Connecticut? I don't know. But I will tell you that it's strange that I haven't heard anything about it because you can't keep something like that a secret. Some investigative reporter is going to find out, bro. Somebody. Okay. Uh, what else here? <clears throat> and then. Yeah. So, okay, let me hit some of these chats real fast, guys. Like the video. We got 2,000 y'all in here, by the way. You guys could be anywhere else, but you're here with me. I hope you guys are enjoying this breakdown. I'm, I'm going into excruciating detail here, guys, but I really want you guys to understand, and I understand that this is a very cumbersome process. This is why so many people don't like doing international investigations because it's a lot of red tape, man. It's a pain in the ass. It takes months, if not years, to get MLATs through, depending on the relationship of the country, and it isn't easy. Uh, all right, here, let me uh, pull up some of these chats real fast. All right. And I'll open it up for questioning here, guys. So if you got questions, go ahead and super chat them in and I'll answer them and then we'll close this bad boy up. Uh, let's see here. Well, I'm just refreshing the page. Thank you guys so much for the support, man. 
And don't forget to like the video. All right. Okay, five bucks from Sephiroth702 goes, the first crime was actually committed by the, these, their parents for these ratchet names. <laughs> Bro. <laughs> uh, love the content, Myron. If possible, can you do a breakdown of Griselda Blanco? That Fed episode would be one of, one of the best and is so fitting since the majority takes place in Miami. Yes, I can. Um, Griselda Blanco, if you guys are wondering, is an OG narco trafficker um, right around. She was like Pablo Escobar's like, like mentor, pretty much. Um, we got here. Can you break down the DC snipers? Yes, I will. Uh, thank you for explaining. Let's see here. I'm just making sure I didn't miss anything here, guys. And I appreciate all the chats as well. I think I caught, I got everything here. All right. I think. Give me one second, guys. Yeah. All right. Now, now, okay, I caught it with the older chats. Okay, favorite Eminem album? Uh, the Eminem Show or the Slim Shady LP? Uh, or no, no, the Marshall Mathers LP. I'm sorry. Uh, the other Zeus is an imposter. Join the Discord so we can battle it out. Okay, fair enough. Y'all yeah, can fight to the death. Um, let's see here. Hmm. Yeah. So, okay. So what's my final thoughts on this situation? Because I drink my watermelon. Um, what I anticipate that's going to happen, guys, is the Mexican authorities are going to continue to obviously do their investigation. They're obviously working at a very fast pace. The fact that they were able to get an arrest warrant this quickly and go through the entire process and reach out to the United States. I guarantee right now, an MLAT has more than likely been already filed, right? And uh, the U.S. Attorney's Office, OIA, is working very closely with the FBI to go ahead and facilitate the exchange of this person that they want arrested. Now, um, I wouldn't be surprised if the FBI wasn't watching um, that person that wants to um, that the Mexican authorities want, as well as potentially keeping an eye on the other individuals that went to Cabo. They're probably going to interview them as well. If not, what will happen is the Mexican authorities will come to the United States, interview them. You know, with the help of the FBI, the FBI will basically call them in and the Mexican authorities will be there doing the interviews and the FBI agents will sit in, right, as an American law enforcement and they'll let the Mexicans go ahead and gather their gather their uh, their information for their investigation. And then who knows, my other arrest warrants might go ahead and get um, get filed. But as far as this person coming, uh, getting arrested and everything else like that, that is why the FBI opened up their case because the Mexicans filed something official on their end filed an MLAT. Now the FBI has no choice. They have to go ahead and open up an investigation. Office of International Affairs is involved. They've probably received the MLAT. And now uh, they're just getting all the documentation, getting the approvals, getting the signatures, getting the blessings from the higher ups at OIA to go ahead to get everything cleared, bring it to a judge, get this woman arrested or this individual arrested. Who knows? We don't know if it's Dejay Jackson or one of the other people that were involved that the Mexicans are looking for. Remember, it, they never actually formally named who's on the arrest warrant. They just said that they have an arrest warrant. Um, and then we'll see what happens from there. Uh, Phosphorus, Wowser's daddy is streaming finally. Okay. Uh, Natasha Bazil goes, shouldn't there be an arrest work record? September of Justice website, Federal Bureau of Prison? No. The reason why you're not going to find an arrest record for the Federal Bureau of Prisons or the September of Justice website is because this is an international arrest and she is not being arrested for a U.S. federal crime. Okay, at least at this point, she's being arrested by the Mexicans, which is also another reason too why um, 
The FBI is not lead on this investigation. Now, can you arrest an individual that committed a crime outside of the United States? Absolutely, you can. And I will actually cover a case on this on Hezbollah uh, very soon. I'm going to go ahead and do a documentary reaction for y'all on that where they may arrest an individual uh, that actually, no, it was the hijacking of Egypt Air, right? Uh, back in like, I think the 80s or the 90s. And that was one of the first cases where they were able to charge someone for a crime that occurred outside the United States against U.S. citizens. But in general, right, but that was terrorism. That's why the FBI wanted it. That's what gave them the jurisdiction. A murder like this, the Mexican authorities are going to take this all day more than likely. And the FBI is the assistant agency. So since they're the assisting agency, they're not necessarily going to drop American charges for her, which is why you won't see her in the Federal Bureau of Prisons. Okay. Good question. Uh, let's see here. Any other questions, guys, before I, uh, before I close this thing up, this one was a short and sweet one because we don't have all the information, right? There's, there's rumors out there and everything else like that, that the woman was arrested in Connecticut. They're going to bring her back to Mexico or whatever, but I find it very difficult to believe with no press put out there, right? Especially with a high profile case like this, there's no way that a reporter wouldn't be able to get their hands on this and figure out that she was arrested in Connecticut. Um, let's see here. Anything else? And they say we don't dabble in the dark. <laughs> Shout out to Fresh Christie on the chat. Down the Monko, Monko. Um, <clears throat> Shout out to FBI in the chat. Someone said, uh, talk about, um, talk about takeoff situation too. I mean, all I know about the takeoff situation is they found the shooter. They got the shooter. Um, he's arrested for. <clears throat> I think his name is DJ Pat. He's right. He got arrested for murder. And then the guy cam that I talked to y'all about on the last episode I did where they, he was brandishing a gun. They arrested him for law, unlawful possession of a firearm because he's a felon. Would she go to Mexican prison? Yes. Yes. She would go to Mexican prison. If, if, uh, if she's, uh, arrested, uh, tried and convicted. So if they do get charged in Mexico, will they be serving time in Mexico? Yes, Mr. Uzi. Yep. Absolutely. Um, the, the United States is in an assistance role in this investigation. The Mexican government are the ones that are leading the investigation. In any type of case, guys, there's always a lead agency. The lead agency is the one that's responsible for drafting up the arrest warrants, the affidavits, getting the evidence, etc. And then the assisting agency basically helps you facilitate it. So, for example, these Mexican authorities want to come to the United States. And more than, more than likely, I wouldn't be surprised if these Mexican authorities don't want to come to the United States and interview all six of those people that were there in Cabo. For them to do that, they need to get the approvals you know, through OIA, through the MLAT, et cetera. They travel to the United States. They meet with FBI agents. FBI agents go ahead and go get those six people and they bring and they bring them in front of the Mexican authorities. They sit in on the interviews and let the Mexican authorities conduct their, their investigation, ask their questions, okay? Maybe facilitate it with a translator or whatever because Mexican authorities don't have um, jurisdiction in the United States. However, they're still conducting an investigation and the FBI will facilitate that. So I'll give you guys an example on my side. When I went to Turks and Caicos to do my case, Obviously, I couldn't go there with my gun or anything like that because I'm, I don't have law enforcement power in Turks and Caicos. However, I was working with the Turks and Caicos police. So when I got there, basically, I was able to do everything I needed to do with them helping me out and facilitating everything. They were the ones that brought me the prisoners. I interviewed the prisoners. Uh, you know, after, you know, I would take the witness statements, everything else like that. I basically did everything the same. It's just that Turks and Caicos was there with me every step of the way because it is their country. It would be the same exact situation with the Mexican authorities coming to the United States. They travel here. Uh, the FBI, who's an investigating agency on the U.S. side, the, the parallel agency, they will facilitate it. They do their interviews. They get them whatever they need. And then they go back 
to their country, prepare the evidence and write up their reports. And then they add to their um, criminal investigation. Can you cover the Idaho murders? Uh, I don't know which ones you're talking about in particular, but let me know. Can you do the case on Michael Myers' daddy? Daddy. I don't know who Michael Myers' daddy is. After the Mexican authorities charge to convict the offenders after they serve their prison sentence, can they still be charged in the United States? Um, I doubt it. And the reason why is because of something called double jeopardy. Um, anytime you're convicted of a crime, right, typically they're not going to want to charge you for that crime again. Now, it's debatable because they could say, oh, well, that crime occurred in another country and it's a different crime. Technically, it's femicide. It's not homicide. So, um, you know, there are nuances there where they could be charged. But then you got to ask yourself who's going to charge it, which agency is going to take lead in that investigation. Does that agency want to go ahead and waste the time and resources to put her in jail when she's going to get 50 years in Mexico? You know, because like they said before, this this carries quite a penalty over there in Mexico. So it might not be worth the U.S.'s time to pursue a criminal investigation because she might spend a lot of time in Mexico. OK, and you and I hate to say it like this, but um, law enforcement guys has to prioritize and, and the U.S. attorney's office. Right. The prosecutors, they have to allot their time to the cases that are the most sexy, that are going to get the most time that are worth the resources, because you can't prosecute everyone for every single crime. It, it would be impossible. Uh, so, yeah, we read that one. We should go to Mexican prison. We got answered that one. Uh, let's see here. Anything else? We got here. Appreciate the stream. I'm going to go ahead and watch the railroad killer now to get caught up. Yes, guys, I dropped the episode the other day on the railroad killer, which I'll show you guys real fast here. Um, for some of you guys that like these serial killer breakdowns, um, the serial killer, and I'll share my screen with y'all real quick. All right. This episode right here, Fed explains railroad killer case. I dropped that a couple days ago on Thursday. Um, I reacted to the FBI files episode. This guy basically was running around in Texas. Uh, getting off on trains and sneaking into people's houses, killing them, eating their fruit, and then staring at their driver's licenses. Yeah, I know. What? But yeah, and and in it, I got you know detailed timestamps and everything else like that. I break down everything as far as like how we committed the crimes, that you know the agencies involved, how they caught them, everything like that. So you know, I always put timestamps in all my videos. So make sure to go ahead and check it out, guys. I spend quite a bit of time on these documentaries for you guys. Uh, I know you guys really enjoy them. And then I made a whole playlist for y'all on serial killers, you sick bastards. Jeffrey Dahmer, John Wayne Gacy, the killer clown, Ted Bundy, of course. Um, the Night Stalker, who's probably one of the most disturbing ones. And then we got the Unabomber, who this was the biggest, um, the most expensive FBI case to date, I think, prior to 9-11, uh, was the Unabomber. So, and I'm going to do more serial killers for you guys in the future. And then I got the whole complete 9-11 breakdown, where uh, 1993 World Trade Center bombing, 9-11, the official narrative, how the FBI caught uh bin Laden, identified al-qaeda and bin laden then who bin laden was how the cia found them and then i go into the three conspiracy episodes i'm trying to get the other episode back up for you guys on what they found in bin laden's compound youtube took it down because there's some haters but i'm going to go ahead and get it back up for y'all but this was actually like a eight-part series here on 9-11 the official and the unofficial narratives no one else has this extensive of breakdown 9-11 on both sides i was completely you know i was i did it from an unbiased perspective i covered both sides of conspiracy and the official narrative um yeah man and then you got the podcast clips crime documentary breakdowns and obviously the live streams which we're on live, one live right now but yeah all that stuff is is out there for y'all uh let's see here anything else uh okay no questions just want to show support thanks for all you do stop drinking monster though bro i work where those are made protect yourself hey man i'll live don't worry bro a lot of y'all out here eating ass worried about me drinking monsters <laughs> you guys watched the last episode you guys know exactly what i'm talking about uh Wrap your favorite M-verse 
We want to hear some bars. Um, I can't think of. Oh, probably his verse on Renegade with Jay Z. That's that's the best. That's one of his best uh, verses. He made he made Jay Z look actually pretty bad on that one. Uh, Renegade. Go ahead and check it out. L- listen to that song. Eminem and uh, Jay Z. Renegade. Uh, off the blueprint. I think back in like two thousand one. Uh, let's see here. Okay, Railroad Killer. We talked about that one. Okay, Louis Rage. Thank you so much. Appreciate that. And we got here Benny Mac. Four college students murdered open case in Idaho right now. Oh, you're talking about the murder from uh, last week. Okay, okay, okay. I, I know what you're talking about. I know what you're talking about now. Um, and guys, just do me a quick favor here. Let me see what the likes are at. Oh. The likes are at 1K. Guys, can you guys get me to 1,800 likes? Because it helps a lot with the algorithm. Helps boost this video up so more people can find it. A lot of my videos on Fedit, for some odd reason, get demonetized because they're haters. Um, or I get a yellow check, which... Not necessarily I care about the money. It's just that when you get a green check, right, where it's fully monetized, they push it more in the algorithm. YouTube are jerk-offs like that where if it's not a full green check, they don't push it as much because they can't sell as many ads to it. So like the video, pushing the algorithm um, so more people can see it. And uh, yeah, I think this is probably one of the more thorough breakdowns of this investigation because I'm telling you guys the inner workings of how international cases work. Uh, gave you guys a little bit of speculation, but I try, I'm trying to keep it very factual here. And to be quite honest with you, we don't have enough facts to be able to make, make the most informed decision. I know that there's a reporter out there and out in Mexico giving some rumors and stuff like that. Um, but I, I, we can't independently verify what he's saying. You know, he's saying, oh, I have an insider at the prosecutor's office in Mexico. Uh, you know, the Mexican media guys isn't as, you know, <laughs> you guys think the American media is bad. Mexican media could be even worse. <clears throat> Let's see here. All right, cool. I think we're caught up, guys. Like the video. I'll catch you guys tomorrow on um, on Fresh and Fit, uh, Money Monday, uh, 7 p.m. as usual. And uh, yeah, man, love y'all. Thank you guys so much for the um, for the support. Like the video on your way out. Share this with a friend. And, uh, you know, I hope, uh, rest in peace to Shanquella Robinson. And I hope they find the people that were responsible and they're prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law because what they did was fucking foul and unacceptable behavior you know to beat up on a woman that's defenseless not even fighting back record it right and say oh fight back and think it's like some kind of game is is ridiculous and they deserve to be prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law and i'll tell you this mexican prison is not fun it's not fun at all man so over they catching they catch that person and uh yeah guys take it easy rest in peace to shankwala robinson and i'll catch you guys tomorrow 7 p.m for fresh and fit peace I was a special agent with Homeland Security Investigations, okay, guys? HSI. The cases that I did mostly were human smuggling and drug trafficking. No one else has these documents, by the way. Here's what FedEx covers. Dr. Lafredo confirmed lacerations due to stepping on glass. Murder investigation. You see him reaching in his jacket. You don't know. And he's positioning. Been on February 13, 2019. You're facing two counts of being detained. Racketeering and Rico young, conspiracy. Young slime life here and after referred to as YSL. The defendants this is, uh, was six nine, and then this is Billy Seiko right here. Now, when they first started, guys, six nine ran. Well, I'm a fed. I'm watching this music video. You know, I'm bobbing my head like, hey, this shit lit. But at the same.